Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Come plan your dream wedding all in one day at the 17th Annual Newport Bridal Show on March 3rd. Meet with more than 80 top wedding professionals at two of Newport's most romantic venues, Rose Cliff and Ocean Cliff Mansions. Visit NewportBridalShow.net to buy your ticket today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Cape Sports Now. We break down Super Bowl 53, which is coming up on Sunday. It's a big game. You know, Matt, this has almost become like a rite of passage here. You this know? is our first episode. Yeah, pretty much in a way, but also just we're, we're, get, we're almost just used to this now. Mm-hmm. It's third straight year the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. That just doesn't seem to happen in, in, in the modern era. And even yeah. when you look back at the great Patriots days, certainly got a lot to be appreciative of, especially since we just had Boston versus L.A. Yeah, three right? months ago with the World Series. Absolutely. So. Uh, just a great time for, for all sports fans involved. Um, so basically, we're going to do pretty much the same script as last year. We're going to break down the game a little bit. We'll talk some funny prop bets and just some other um, ifs and what's about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if, if it's your first time to the show, my name is Steve Dedarian, sports writer for the Cape Cod Times. I'm Matt Goisman, also sports writer for the Cape Cod Times. So yeah, Super Bowl Sunday, we got the New England Patriots, of course, came in 11-5 in the postseason, beat the LA Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. to win the AFC Championship. The LA Rams come in at 13-3. and They beat the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints in a very yep. controversial NFC Championship, um, and they come in you know, 13-3 from the regular season. That game's going to be 6.30 p.m. Sunday. Um, the kickoff is at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, not to be confused with the New Orleans Superdome. Um, the game is on CBS or WBZ4 um, with uh, announcers Jim Nance and the, uh, the affable, I guess we'll say, Tony Romo. And knowledgeable. <laughs> Very knowledgeable, apparently. Um, and then the halftime show for, for those just maybe tuning around for that will be Maroon 5 plus special musical guest Travis Scott and Big Boy. So those are the real basic facts. Um, but certainly there's a lot of historical parts to this, mm-hmm. to this game, you know, just with the, the history of, especially the Patriots franchise, this being their 11th Super Bowl Absolutely, franchise Absolutely, which is the most all-time. The franchise is 5-5 five and five in its previous 10 appearances, 5-3 and three under Coach Bill Belichick and quarterback Tom Brady. Obviously, we mentioned them making three Super Bowls in a row. That's only happened twice, I think. We, from 1990 to 93, the Buffalo Bills made four straight Super Bowls. They lost all of them, <laughs> and then... Uh, the Dolphins went to three straight uh, Super Bowls from 1971 to 73. So these kind of things happen very rarely. The fact that this Patriots team sort of had a mini dynasty at the start of the 21st century and then 15 years later just built another one with basically just the head coach and the quarterback left over from that first one is kind of remarkable. Right. And then also when you look at the whole history, it's just, playoff success. I mean, the Patriots were on the verge of um, breaking the tie with the Steelers for most wins in playoff history, mm-hmm. which is 36 right now. Um, another one puts them over the top, so certainly <laughs> would be a, it's already a legendary run, and no matter how it ends, I mean, people are going to remember this for a long time. Absolutely. But this and, is also a rematch, too, yep. you know, Super Bowl 36, where it all began, mm-hmm. um, beating the Rams 20-17. to 17. Of course, the Rams are now in Los Angeles instead of uh, St. Louis, so a little different this time around and also in a sense that the Patriots are 
almost those hated favorites, whereas the Rams are a bit of those upstart. Yeah, they were the greatest show on turf. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what I remember about uh, Super Bowl 30, uh, the, their first right. game against each other in 36, that entire last drive where Brady engineered the game-winning drive and Vinatieri kicked the field goal, the entire time John Madden was saying how stupid it was right. to be trying to score, <laughs> that they should just knee it, go to overtime, try to win it there. And then they get in field goal range, and the only thing Madden can say is, well... They do have the best kicker in the league. <laughs> well, and you know what? It just shows you how different the broadcast is because you had him and Pat Summerall, and mm -hmm. Summerall's kind of that old school, like, let's not get too excited about anything. Got to be neutral. Got to be fair. And yep. It's probably the least ex exciting part of the Super Bowl is to call that one. Obviously, I think the announcers are really For sure. a little bit more pepped up now, especially Roma, who's seems to be emitting all sorts of mouth himself, yeah. well he emits all sorts of mouth noises when a good play happens well, on too. both <laughs> sides but uh, hey being a former quarterback it's worked out and he's definitely earned uh this role as the uh color commentator for the super mm -hmm. bowl so good for him um but this is a rams they're making their first uh super bowl appearance since then their lone super bowl win in franchise history was in 1999-2000 which oddly enough was also in atlanta that's the play where um, the Titans threw a quick slant, mm -hmm. and um, receiver reached out for the goal line and fell short, and Rams win the game under Dick Vermeil. So, um, and a couple other kind of fun facts and figuring, you know, the Rams coach Sean McVay has been a real, almost a model of what mm -hmm. teams are looking for in their future coaches. Absolutely. I think they had eight coaches that are fired, and then when the Cardinals <laughs> hired their coach Cliff Kingsbury, the pressure was literally said friends with Sean McVay, not not <laughs> mentored by Sean McVay, just friends with friends. Sean McVay. It just kind of shows you that everyone's looking for that next great guy because he's unbelievable. Only thirty three years old, apparently remembers every play from like, mm -hmm. every se every game this season or even past years. It's just unbelievable that steel trap. And then you get the the legendary future Hall of Fame coach Bill Belichick, who's literally double his age at sixty six. Mm -hmm. And then Tom Brady, Patriots quarterback, is eight years older than McVay. At 41, and yet still doing pretty well. And fun fact, too, I saw a clip of McVay actually playing a college football game against Patriots receiver Julian Edelman because hmm. he played for Miami of Ohio, and then Edelman played for um, Kent, Kent State, State yeah. was a quarterback. Was. So there's actually video of them going Interesting. Up. I think they both played offense, but still, I mean, the team's going against each other. It just shows you how wild that is. So. For sure. Um, plenty of local stuff, though, um, that circulates around the Super Bowl, too. I mm -hmm. know a story of yours just ran today. Yeah, so if you pick up today's copy of the paper or go to capegottimes.com, you can find my story on Dylan Fasano. That's a, uh, he's a 17-year-old kid from Mashpee who, through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, got is, he's on a flight now, or maybe he's already touched down in Atlanta with his whole family to attend the Super Bowl. Uh, it was a real interesting story talking to him. He's a real good kid and I'm happy that he's going to get this experience and then you've got a couple of stories coming out in the in the coming days leading up to the Super Bowl right? Yeah absolutely I mean, as we kind of have done the last couple of years you know we, we interview people who are going to the game and what's interesting now is that it's not necessarily people who have tickets you find a lot of people who make their travel arrangements mm -hmm. they kind of play the market a little bit and see if they can find a good deal because I mean you're doling out between I don't know minimum $2,500 I think for tickets certainly up and down and, you know, right now, I think tickets are, are somewhere around the $3,000 range. So some people are just trying to play the market a little bit and see if they can get lucky. And uh, someone's got extra tickets, you know, you never know. Mm -hmm. But the, the the atmosphere down there is such that you almost don't even need a ticket in a sense. that You could watch a game from just about anywhere. Sometimes the watch parties might even be more exciting sure. than going to the actual game. So but it's all about the experience and being yeah. wrapped around with all the celebrities and stuff like that. 
So we'll have quite a few people going, including Garen Bears, a former mm -hmm. uh, Patriot who played in the first Patriots Super Bowl, Super Bowl 20, as a defensive lineman. Uh, fun fact, he actually said the year before he played in the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. he was actually working security at Stanford Stadium wow. watching uh, Joe Montana's 49ers uh, beat the Miami Dolphins. And he was saying, you know, he had his yellow jacket, but he's kind of peeking over his shoulder <laughs> trying to get a glimpse of Montana, who's, you know, arguably the greatest Super Bowl quarterback of all time with 5-0 and in Super Bowls. The, um, the endless debate about Montana versus well, Brady. Well, right. I mean, we this, can get uh, into that another day. <laughs> this is the same Garen Veris who's Mass Maritime, correct? That's correct, yeah. yes. The former athletic director of Mass Maritime lives in Yarmouth now. Done a kind of does some part-time work. He's 55. I think he's just trying to coast into some retirement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, With him, he does a lot of appearances for the team, and he said um, when he was in Arizona for the Super Bowl 49, he did a couple of appearances, and the Patriots, just gave, they gave him two tickets um, mm -hmm. You know, at face value, you still got to pay for them, but you know, you're not paying the extra fees and in right. taxes and all that stuff on top of it. So that's how he was able to go. And he just said, you know, this year, you know, why not? You never know when this run's going to end. And that's kind of the sentiment of most Patriots fans. You want to see it because it's not going to be a guarantee. You probably won't see this stretch again for a very long time. I would agree with that. And then the other story, which I'm really excited about, is a father son, um, Ryan and David Jones, who went to Super Bowl 36, which is the first Patriots Rams. Mm -hmm. And Super Bowl Sunday, February 3rd, is going to be the 17-year anniversary to the day that the Patriots won their first Super Bowl. And uh, we'll release that story on Sunday and, and just talk about their experience there, their experiences there and how they got to that point and just what's it like looking back 17 years later, witnessing history. Mm -hmm. So those are our local stories again. Um, Check back to capecodtimes.com slash sports for all of those. Um, let's get to some game coverage, shall yeah, we? I'll Starting with the offense. Man that needs no introduction. Four-time Super Bowl MVP Tom Brady. We'll give him one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but five Super Bowl titles. One more was to pass his idol, Joe Montana, for the most all-time. Uh, last year, he was 28 for 38 for three touchdowns and 505 yards. Uh, but it ended up in a 41-33 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. So needless to say, this has kind of been a redemption tour for... Brady and the Patriots just to get Especially back. in this postseason where they clearly were frustrated right. with all the commentary in the regular season that they were older, creakier, like just worse than last right. year and that this was the sign of decline that everybody had kind of been chomping at the bit for. Well, there were because, I mean, Brady's turning four and one, 41, and let's face it, all, everybody's expecting the drop-off at some point. Right. They just don't know when it's going to happen. And Brady did look vulnerable in some of these games, but let's also remember in the first couple of weeks he didn't have his favorite receiver in Edelman, right? He suspended mm -hmm. four games. They lost to the Jaguars and the Lions on the road. You know, what are you going to do? Those teams kind of fizzled out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it shows you it's more of a marathon, not a sprint. And, and I think the Patriots have demonstrated that when it really counts, they're going to raise their level, at least offensively. Um, but the big thing for the Pats is I, I, I think they got to get to the end zone in the first quarter. We were just talking about how last year was the first time under Brady and Belichick that they actually scored in the first quarter, and that was just a field goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was nice and everything, but, you know, I, I think they really need. To, to make a statement here that this is going to be their game. They're going to control the tempo of this one. And, um, you know, first quarter, first quarter touchdown, I think would really put them over the top there. Um, offensively total of Pats are averaging 345 and a half yards per game in the, this postseason. after averaging just 266 in the regular season, just showing they've really uh, stepped it up this year. Brady has 691 passing yards alone in the postseason. Um, and then just a couple key notes, you know, Julian Edelman, as we just mentioned, right? He's only 46 catches away from catching Jerry Rice for most playoff receptions of all time. Like That's pretty fascinating when you think about Jerry oh, yeah. Rice really in a league of his own. I mean, he's not going to get 46 receptions <laughs> in the Super Bowl, but, 
you know, if, if the success continues the next two or three years, no reason why he couldn't hit that mark. Um, but Edelman's already second all-time in all-time playoff catches and certainly is going to play a key role in moving the chains as he did against Kansas City in the AFC Championship, especially on third downs. Um, but I think the really big thing for the Patriots and really isn't talked about as much as that offensive line. Yeah, and how well they played in the unbelievable postseason. Unbelievable this postseason. Brady hasn't been sacked once. Mm-hmm. I think he's been maybe hit once or a couple yeah. times. I mean, that happens obviously in football. But uh, this playoffs, it's just unbelievable how – you know, the line had looked pretty good all season, but they really did just take it to another level. And part of that success is shown in the rushing game, too. 176 rushing yards and four touchdowns against the Chiefs, mm-hmm. who I will we'll admit the defense wasn't their strong suit. Obviously, it was that offense that was keeping them going all year. Definitely. But this might be the best line we've seen, mainly because of Pats of a run-first, smash-mouth offense, mm-hmm. which kind of breaks the mold of what most NFL teams are trying to do, which is, you know, get a mobile quarterback. Throw it as much as he can. And either throw it or roll out and stuff like that. But Patriots kind of turned back the clock a little bit this year, you know, with an offense designed for ball control, keep the opposing defenses guessing and chew up the clock, especially when needed. Um, But when you look at this offensive line from Lester Wright, you got Trent Brown, who's added from the 49ers. Wasn't even supposed to be the starter. The Patriots drafted Isaiah Wynn out of Georgia, Mm -hmm. who's supposed to be the left tackle. He got injured in the preseason. But Brown, huge guy, biggest yeah. guy in the line, certainly did a good job protecting Brady's blind side. Uh, left guard Joe Thune, who actually visited the Cape back in April, came to um, uh, joint uh, base Cape Cod to do a little kids clinic for the mm-hmm. Patriots, as did center David Andrews. So call them friends of, not friends of the show, but friends of the Cape, you know. Sure. <laughs> nice, both nice guys, um, you know, even though they were just about a month off of a Super Bowl loss. Mm-hmm. Very nice and approachable and great with the kids. Um, right card, Shaq Mason, who's perhaps been the most impressive on the line this year, really opened up a lot of holes in the run game. Um, and he's gotten, a, I think, a, a contract extension because of it. And then you have Marcus Cannon, who in the past has shown some struggles, but I think has really tightened things up this year. He's gotten a little bit of help because the Patriots have been using Rob Gronkowski on the line a little bit more. Yep. Kind of, you know, bolster up the running game a little bit. And he's blocked really well, and that's been yeah. a key reason why they've been able to put up rushing yards the way they have. Right, because you really, teams in the past have just game-planned him, for, uh, treated him like a receiver, basically. Exactly. Now you have to game plan and put big guys on him that could create mismatches. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the Patriots do best. They keep you guessing. So um, I think that's a big credit, to, though, to the offensive line coach, Dante Skarniecki, who actually retired a couple of years ago. Brady and Belichick kind of begged him to come back, and he did come out of retirement. And Brady, just this Monday, called him the greatest offensive line coach in, in the history yep. of the NFL. Certainly high remarks for, for Skarniecki. And you've seen the turnaround. I, I believe it was the 2015 AFC Championship against Peyton Manning. Brady was hit 17 times in that game, and the offensive line was a huge struggle. And in past Super Bowls, the Patriots lost, especially to the Giants, the offensive line was a huge issue. So I, I think this year that this line, again, is better than ever, and if the Patriots win, that's going to be a huge reason why. I think uh, if they can establish the run a little bit, that helps too. Statistically, they, are a much, they have a much higher winning percentage in these kind of games when they can get a rusher go over 100 yards. So whether that's Sony Michelle, whether that's James White, who was kind of the hero of the Atlanta Super Bowl and owns like multiple records now for running back <laughs> in a Super Bowl. Receptions, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, receptions and touchdowns. So if either or ideally both of them can have big games, that will also do a lot to hamper some of uh, the pass rush uh, that uh, L.A. will bring against them. Yeah, and I mean, the Patriots don't usually show their hand, even when the fullback, Jay Devlin, I know the fullback, I know yep. at a position that's almost obsolete for most teams now. Even when he's in the game, they've put him out in the flats and thrown to him before. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a run when it's, you know, those two in the backfield. So sure. that variety has been fantastic. And 
you know, the Rams will be prepared. I mean, you got two weeks, any team will be, but um, certainly I'm sure teams will pull out, you know, all the, all the tricks as they, as they say, I, I don't think that I got that idiom right. Mm-hmm. Um, pull whatever out. So <laughs> um, we'll go to the Rams real quickly. You know, the Patriots defense has given up their fair share of points in just about every Super Bowl. Um, and, and I wouldn't expect this to be much different. I mean, the defense was good against Kansas City, but let's not forget they still gave up 31 points. They did. And, um, you know, Elliott was second in the league uh, in total offense, of course, behind Kansas City. Uh, 6,738 6, yards total. That's an average of 421.1 yards per game. These are regular season stats, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, they're averaging 281 uh, passing yards through the air, which is fifth in the league. Rushing yards, they were 139 per game, which was third in the league. And then in points, they were scoring about 33 points a game, second in the league behind the Chiefs. Um, quarterback Jared Goff, 24. You know, it's the widest, I think, quarterback gap in NFL history between him and <laughs> 17 Brady, 17 years. years. Um, actually younger than me, funny enough. Um, he's currently working his, you know, he's kind of working his way through a cold streak. The first 11 games of the year, he completed about two-thirds of his passes, mm-hmm. averaged 9.3 yards per attempt. And he threw uh, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. In games uh, 12 through 18, he completed uh, 59% of his passes uh, just for about six and a half yards, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. So Goff misses a lot of opportunities and, and is missing throws at times. And, you know, you don't want to underestimate a guy. That's kind of what happened with Nick Foles last year. But mm-hmm, he leaves a lot of plays out there and has been inconsistent at times. So we'll see what we get. I think what's interesting with the Rams is their running back situation. It almost reminds me of the Falcons when they had uh, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, mm-hmm. kind of a double-headed back. You know, the, the Rams have Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson, who have both been outstanding. Gurley, obviously, an all-pro. He said he's not hurt, but he's definitely been playing through a bit of a knee injury. But Anderson has stepped up and has been outstanding. I mean, since signing with the Rams in mid-December, he's averaging 116 yards per game. Um, and Gurley only had five carries for 13 yards against the Saints in the NFC Championship. So... I think the Patriots did a good job limiting running backs, especially this postseason. And I basically, I think, going to force the Rams to put the ball in the air. And the Rams really don't have that much of a dangerous receiving core. They have former Patriot Brandon Cooks, who was with the team last year, got injured in the Super Bowl. Um, you have him, Robert Woods, JoJo Natson, Josh Reynolds. None of these are big-name guys. Robert Woods probably the second-best receiver you know, behind Cooks. Um, tight ends Tyler Bigby and Gerald Everett are both chain movers and threats in the goal line. So... Guys, you got a game plan for, but I think if the Patriots make the Rams throw more than they want to, they're going to have a lot of success. Definitely. You want to flip over to the defense? Let's do it, yeah. So in the regular season, the defenses were almost identical in yardage, not mm-hmm. not in points allowed, but uh, in how many yards they gave up. LA gave up 358.6 yards per game. That's just a half a yard ahead of New England. Neither team was you know, a top 10 defense in that category. The Pats were about 10 yards better per game in run defense. The Rams were about 10 yards better per game in pass defense. Uh, New England, number seven scoring defense, though, 20.3 points per game, whereas L.A. ranked 20th at 24. Again, I mean, that's the difference of a field goal. So, again, pretty close in that category. Mm -hmm. They were also both top five teams in turnovers. L.A. had 30 turnovers in the regular season. New England forced 28. Each team made 18 interceptions. And in turnover differential, so how many you force versus how many you will give up, it's the number four team in L.A. versus the number five team in New England. So now we're in the postseason, and the two defenses are starting to differentiate themselves. New England has six sacks in its two playoff games, which is double what L.A. had, but the Rams have held their two opponents to under 30% conversion on first downs, whereas the Patriots give up first on 40% in that situation. 
you look back at that Chiefs game and in that overtime possession, the Patriots converted on third and 10 three times Mm -hmm. and they scored and they won the game. If LA puts New England in like similar third and long situations, we'll see if the Pats can have the same success. LA has given up a lot of first downs in the postseason, but it seems like kind of New England's best chance uh, is going to be to move the chains early in in its downs to not get into third and longs. That's kind of what every team wants to avoid, but Against L.A., it really seems like third and longs are not going to be as easy as they appear to be against Kansas City. That's exactly the point I was going to make. I think the Rams actually have the defensive backs and the talent, you know, former Patriot Aqib Tlaib yep. is most likely going to be matched up either on Edelman or probably it could, it could even put him with Gronk if Gronk is split out or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the Rams actually have personnel to, to really limit that and force – you know, just different plays to go to different players, like some smaller shoes, like Dorset for Philip Dorset, for example, Absolutely. or even just you know try to take that check down and, and limit the yardage. Yeah, I think some of it is going to be trying to pull John Johnson the third, their safety, kind of out of position a little bit, and see right. if they can at least get some single coverage. Uh, you know, he's a big interception threat downfield for them, so I. I'm curious how much Brady will try to test that. Mm. Uh, the players on the defense for the Rams that you really got to watch out for, I mean, L- Corey Littleton, the linebacker, he was a pro bowler for them this year. He has 19 tackles. That's the most among any player left in the postseason. He had 11 two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago excuse me, against New Orleans in the NFC Championship. And Dominican Sue had a one, has one and a half sacks against New Orleans. But the really scary tackle for the Rams is Aaron Donald, who is a pro bowler. He led the league with 20.5 sacks in the regular season, which cost opposing teams a total of 184 yards. So it's really going to be a test to see how that O-line can hold up against Sue, and especially Donald is the one who really um, makes me nervous. And then if Littleton is a linebacker, he's going to probably match up against either slot receivers or you know if they send White downfield for a pass. So how those kind of guys can get open against him, that's another big matchup that's going to determine the outcome of this game. I I do like the Patriots matchup, though, usually because they've handled good interior linemen, I think, in the past. And these guys are mostly interior linemen. I mean, they could mix and match a little bit. But I think what's given the Patriots problems in the past, and this is more when they had Nate Solder's left tackle, Mm -hmm. is a pass rush coming off the edge on Brady's blind side. You know, Super Bowl Forty Nine, Michael Bennett was giving the Patriots all sorts of issues. Mm -hmm. Eventually they figured it out, but... You know, when you look at how the Patriots have played, I guess I'll use the Texans example. When you get guys like Javian Clowney and even J.J. Yep. Watt, in the past they've been able to handle all pro guys like that, you know, pro bowl caliber players. So mm-hmm. it's certainly they, they have to focus on them because you don't, you don't want them, you know, getting mixed match with a guy like Littleton coming up the middle and you got to only block one. Definitely. Um, but certainly I, I think the Patriots are going to have a good game plan, and, I, and I'd be more worried if the Rams had stronger guys coming off the edge versus up the middle, which right. I think they've been rock solid this year. And I think one of uh, New England's best defensive uh, weapons is an edge rusher. It's uh, defensive end Trey Flowers, who really has played well this postseason. He had uh, a sack, a tackle for a loss, and two quarterback hits against Kansas City. He led the team in the regular season with seven and a half sacks. I look for him to try to get going. I also really like how Kyle Van Noy, the linebacker, has been playing this postseason, 14 tackles in two playoff games, 92 tackles in the regular season. New England put a lot of pressure on uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs last week. They had four sacks, five tackles for losses, 10 quarterback hits. If they can get that kind of pressure on Goff, they can definitely disrupt uh, Los Angeles' uh, offense. 
But if it comes down to the New England secondary, I think it's going to come down to guys like safety Devin McCourty, Stephon Gilmore. How they hold up will determine L.A.'s lack of success in the air. Gilmore has the team's only interception in the postseason. He had 20 passes defensed in the regular season, which led the team. You know, we all remember Malcolm Butler's game-saving interception four years ago against uh, the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Maybe it'll be Gilmore's turn to make oh, that geez. big defensive play. I, I, I don't think people's in hearts can handle something like that again. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty <laughs> intense final minute there. I, was, that I think that was like the biggest game's odds swing in like NFL history, just the yep. odds of a team winning just completely turning on one singular play. I mean, Also, I just said Falcons, and I meant to say Seahawks. Well, yeah, I that's, apologize. that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that'll just about wrap it up on the defense. This is a little bit, I mean, you could break down the, the facts and figures and the analytics to the cows come home, but those are the real basics. Mm-hmm. Um, the I most think New England hasn't given up a sack or maybe just one to an interior lineman to what you were talking about earlier. So, yeah, they're, the defensive strength of L.A., is going to be going against the offensive line strength of the Patriots. So it's kind of a strength-on-strength situation. I I think it's a situation where the Patriots are really going to have to run the ball and run it well. Yeah. Because, again, if they're behind and they have to start slinging the ball, that's going to be a lot harder to do from down from behind Mm -hmm. against a very talented Rams secondary that's going to be ball-hawking and be looking to turn the ball over. So Definitely. um, I, I think, again, that goes to taking the early lead and being able to have that flexibility and play calling for as long as you can in this game. Mm-hmm. But if it does come down to a two-minute drive, what quarterback would you rather have under center? Without you know, a doubt. So let's do some fun prop bets here. Sure. You know, according to the New York Post, I saw a headline the other day, $6 billion is going to be, that's billion with a B, is going to be uh, placed on Super Bowl bets this year just by Americans alone, mm-hmm. never mind worldwide yep. in, the, in the audience that watches this game. Um, the basic line, Patriots are favored by two and a half points. For those of you who don't understand, that's Patriots start the game, subtract two and a half points, and at the end, whatever the final score is, if they cover that, right. they win. If not, no, then not. First half, you can bet on the first half, apparently, which is a half a point. So mm-hmm. basically pick whoever's going to be leading in the yep. first half. Um, Patriots are minus a half point, so I guess if the Rams are up by one point. They or if it's high, the Rams get the uh, yeah the win there. Yeah, the the Pats are expected to be leading in the first half, is what that means. Yeah, and they're expected to win by at least a field goal. That's yep. that's what the lines. There mean. you go. Um, over under fifty six and a half points. Just based on what we've seen in the past and how the NFL is going, I would bet the over all day long. Yeah, I actually probably would too. <laughs> um, it could be a low scoring game. I mean, you never know. Um, the coin toss, I say it every year. I'd always want a camera in Vegas when the coin toss is going on for the Super Bowl because it's so it's the one thing where it's total luck. There's no mm-hmm. talent. There's no outside factors involved. <laughs> it's heads or tails. Um, Patriots will call it since they're the visiting team. The fun fact, Matthew Slater always calls heads, yep. and he's called two of the biggest coin tosses in franchise history. Called it Super Bowl 51. Patriots got the, first, got the ball first, scored, won the game. Didn't give the Falcons a chance to score. And then same thing for the AFC Championship against the Chiefs. Called heads, won the toss, Patriots go down to score. So mm-hmm. there's no doubt that Slater would be calling heads. So maybe that affects bets. I, I don't know. <laughs> All we know is, is that the team that's won the coin toss, the opening coin toss, that is, has lost the last four Super Bowls. So True. maybe that's the one thing you don't want to win on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I think it's way – I mean, if it's a choice between winning the overtime coin toss and the opening coin toss, right. it's way better to win the overtime one. Much, and the Patriots have, have almost always deferred anyway and go on, go on defense first. Most teams, I think, defer. Get the ball in the second half. Yeah. Um, National Anthem is going to be my Gladys Knight. You can actually bet the over-under on the time. That's a one minute and 47 <laughs> seconds last I checked. I don't know. I feel like for a big game like that, it's 
you, you bet the over just people it's a drawn out but wasn't it you don't want to screw up the lyrics so you right. want to take your time I think it wasn't it Alicia Keys a couple of years ago who like spent, broke the record or something like yeah, that. yeah it felt like she sang for an hour approximately <laughs> uh, there's a lot of individual player ones you can bet on so I think the Patriots like for the first score of the game first touchdown of the game Sony Michelle's like six to one Edelman's ten to one Gronk's twelve to one my favorite, and if you're really a degenerate out there, <laughs> throw some money down on JoJo Natson, a Rams receiver, who's going off apparently at 200 to one to get the game's first touchdown. You know, the Patriots have been known for taking away your best player. Yep. So who's to say you don't get another guy trickling out of the backfield who just uh, catches one in the flats and runs it in the end zone? <laughs> Place five bucks, you got a thousand bucks. Sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. Um, you can also bet, you know, stuff like who's going to make the first catch. Will the first pass be complete or incomplete? Uh, you could bet the longest or shortest field goal made, the longest 47 and a half, um, and the shortest 26 and a half. You can bet money on who's going to win the MVP. Um, <laughs> Patriots kicker Stephen Gaskowski is off at 100 to 1 on that. Same with <laughs> Philip Dorsett, Rex Burkhead. Um, Brady, I think, is even money. So, I mean, you're not going to really win any money betting on Brady to win the MVP. <laughs> I don't. Has a kicker ever won it? I don't think They've so. They've given it. I mean, I remember Desmond Howard with the Packers won it as a punt returner, but right. special teams. No. I think that was the only special teams MVP no, ever. It's awarded. almost always offensive defense. I mean, yeah. he had Malcolm Smith from the Seahawks who won it as defensively right. for Super Bowl forty eight, and we've seen Brady, which is kind of cool. Even when he wins Super Bowl MVPs, he did forty nine fifty one. They get some kind of truck or something like that, and he yep. lets. He lets the real hero of that game. Yeah, he, which he in gave, that case, Malcolm he gave, Butler and James White. Exactly. Because what is Brady? Need I, truck I'm for? pretty sure he can afford as many trucks <laughs> as he possibly wants. Um, <laughs> you can bet the over/under. You know, if a quarterback's going to throw for over 325 yards, again, I, I almost bet the over on all I these things. Too. I mean, the odds change too, so you got to put these bets in now. Um, and then here's an interesting one: Will a team lead by 10 points or more? That could be an interesting one. You know, you never. Not yeah, quite sure. I'm. <laughs> I kind of want to say, yeah, one of the teams is going to go up by 10. I don't know if I think that team will then right. win, but I, I, 10 points I, I could see happening. Right. I mean, the Patriots have certainly fallen behind by two possessions, I think, in each of their last two Super Bowls. So. Right. You know, it's all fun stuff. And, of course, you'll have plenty of friends and families doing squares, as always. You know, get the last point. And the thing with the squares, though, I almost feel like it's more fun when your team isn't playing in the Super Bowl. Because then you don't care. Yeah, you exactly. Just want people you to just score. want to get score. Right. I mean, you don't care who's, who's getting it. So, um you know, it's a lot of fun, and if you do gamble, please do so responsibly. As and drivers, legally. yes. Well, you can go to. I Twin, don't know what that means. I think you, well, seriously, I mean, you can go to. I think Twin River now in Rhode Island. I'll give them a plug. I guess not that they need it, but um, <laughs> pretty sure you can make legalized sports uh, gambling there. So, um, but yes, please gamble, drive, and handle yourself responsibly out there. Absolutely, we're not responsible for any losses that you put on prop bets, yes. especially the coin toss. Exactly. <laughs> Have uh, fun, but be responsible at yeah. all times. Uh, and I think that'll do it for uh, this special. Unless you episode. want to make your prediction live. Oh, I'm. <laughs> I don't know. The kid I interviewed yesterday didn't want to do that because he's superstitious. It'll yeah. affect the outcome. I think I'm going to do the same thing. Sure. I mean, you can read our predictions. They're going to be in the paper. That's Sunday, true. I believe. So, I have an atrocious playoff record. So don't be surprised. Uh, my pick. I think I'm three and seven in playoff picks. So I've been pretty good so far. So yeah, maybe I'll get lucky. This is the opposite because I was good in the regular season. Yeah, so. he beat me in the yeah the pick'em competition. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so again, if you missed any of this show live, you can check it out on our Facebook page. You can also go. I believe it'll be up on CapeCodTimes.com/slash/keepsports now. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm Steve Dardarian. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve underscore Dardarian. D e r d e r i a n. 
I'm at Matt Goisman CCT, M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. You can also download this episode and all episodes of Cape Sports now through podcast apps for Google and iPhone products. Thanks a lot. Go Pats, and we'll see you uh, next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.